Hey guys, this is Adam from BizNexus here with the latest BizNexus Roundup, our new podcast covering interesting conversations with interesting people from around the world of business acquisition and sale, which if you're familiar with BizNexus, then you know that's been our thing for quite some time now. For our latest episode, I had the opportunity to sit down with Hal Fader, an intermediary from Murphy Business who focuses on both buy side and sell side transactions. Hal and I got to chat about two main things. First, what's a broker looking for in a buyer and what does it take for a buyer to get some respect to actually get a response and get prioritized by an intermediary? The spoiler alert here is that the typical intermediary really doesn't care so much about your alma mater as much as whether you're likely or not to get a transaction done and we cover what they're really looking for in that regard. Second, what should a buyer look for in a broker and things to look out for to make that relationship more productive, more successful, etc. Second spoiler here is that blasting the entire IBBA universe, the template introduction might not be the best approach when it comes to conversions. So sometimes a, a good old fashioned phone call really does go a long way. We're still new to this whole podcast thing. So if you like what you hear, please spread the word, give us some stars on Apple Podcasts, preferably five as the Apple Podcast algorithm is notoriously brutal for newcomers trying to grow organically. Goes without saying, if you haven't been on BizNexus, please get on that, give us a shot. It's absolutely free to create an account, get started matching from an inventory of thousands of active businesses of sale and the niche professionals who can help you acquire or exit a business. So that's it. Let's get into it. Legal team, podcast conversations don't necessarily reflect the views of BizNexus Incorporated. Everything you hear is informational news and updates from around the industry. We're not recommending any investments. We're not offering any investment advice. Be sure to do your own homework. Hey guys, it's Adam with the BizNexus Roundup. Joining me this week, we have the Hal Fader from Murphy Business down in Virginia. Welcome, Hal. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Hal's an interesting intermediary. Um, I've had the privilege of, of working with you, Hal, for for years now. And you know, Hal he does focus on regionally focused deals, but I've always known Hal because of his niche in the automotive world. He does a lot of buy side and sell side work nationally within that niche. So I think it's always interesting when we find intermediaries who are focused on on niches like that and, and the backgrounds that those intermediaries typically have. Backgrounds like Hal's. Hal's been engaged with BizNexus, I think, from the onset with the platform. And Hal, you've got a ton of experience with uh, Murphy. I think you're one of their top inter- intermediaries year over year. So I think this is going to be a great conversation today. What Hal and I are going to try to tackle is a topic that has had a lot of chatter out there lately. Basically, what should a buyer look for in a broker, right? If you're trying to hire an intermediary to help you with buy-side work. And then what's even more interesting to me is what's a broker actually looking for when they decide to engage with a buyer? How are you going to get in there, actually get replies from the broker on their deals? How are you going to be taken seriously? What are the brokers saying you know, behind closed doors when they're in the, the broker networking meetings that they're not saying to buyers? I think there's some real confusion there in the buyer world as to why they're not getting replies or not getting shortlisted on deals that are competitive. So if we can address that and add some clarity, that's a goal for this podcast. So Hal, if you don't mind, um, these podcasts are 20 to 30 minutes. We've got a tight format. We're going to cram all this into that window. So let's just jump right into it. Sure. Um, Thanks. Let's take the first part of the podcast and just talk about what a buyer should look for in a broker. And then for the second piece, we can just talk about what the broker is really looking for in a buyer. So starting with 
you know, what a buyer should be looking for if they're engaging a broker, right? Yeah. So, thanks, Adam. Thanks for thanks for having me. Well, any any partnership only works if it's mutually beneficial, right? So I think it's important to before we start getting into the two sides here to recognize that this is all about an intersection of interest. And the buyer is looking for obviously bringing in financial resources and time and effort and trying to manage the risk behind a, a purchase. And the broker's basically selling his time and his experience, right? So that intersection of interest is really important and it's a two-way street. So when we talk about what a buyer is looking for in a business broker, it's going to go both ways. It's got to work for both. But I would say to answer your question, you know, transparency is like we're top of the list, right? You got to be uh, candid and honest. So when you're looking for a a business broker, the integrity factor is really high on the list. You got to trust. Uh, trust and respect and open communication is really important. Obviously, you want to look and see if the broker's got a level of experience in deal making. So you want to know about uh, maybe closing ratios, how he's done working with sellers, how he uh, brings a deal to closing. What are some of the things that makes his value proposition relevant, compelling, and differentiated from other brokers. So look for those unique selling propositions in a broker. Confidentiality, this is not, you know, we talk about seller confidentiality a lot, but you want a broker that's going to protect your buyer confidentiality, right? You're going to a broker and you're giving a personal financial statement and you're sharing some, you know, pretty sensitive information about your net worth and your capital resources. You want to be able to, to trust a broker with that information. And the right? opportunity in your acquisition strategy. Yeah. So it's not just seller confidentiality, it's it's buyer confidentiality too. You also want a broker with accessibility. I cannot, and I know Adam, you can't either. Our time is valuable. You can never replace an hour of your time. So when you're chasing someone down for information, it's just bad business. So the buyer really needs to look the broker in the eye and says, hey, are you going to be there for me? Are you going to answer my phone calls? Are you going to answer my texts in a prompt manner? And what's that mean? It means same day, you know, same day business. I don't go to bed at night with open emails or voice messages. I sometimes get those messages, you know, maybe after dinner, but I'm on them the first thing the next morning. So I think mutual respect and accessibility is really, really uh, high on the list in terms of um, broker wants. The other thing I think uh, is deal resiliency, you know, is this guy or gal going to be able to solve the obstacles in the deal? Because I guarantee you the deal is going to have some obstacles. So you're really looking for a problem solver, an obstacle remover, and also a guy or gal that can negotiate, okay? And formulate a position and develop strong rationale for a position in a compelling, professional, and respectful manner, okay? So I think one that kind of is important is sense of humor, you know? I mean, this is not all about, you know, fun and games, but let's face it, buying a business should be fun, and I think sometimes we forget that. It's serious, of course. There's a lot of risk. There's a lot of investment. There's a lot of all of that stuff. But, you know, you want to find those lighthearted moments and enjoy the journey along the road to the destination, which obviously is a successful close. So that's important uh, as well. And then finally, I think you want to add value. Does the broker, whatever he's charging you, that's got to be viewed and delivered as an investment, not as a cost. So the broker's got to be able to pay for him or herself. 
at the end of the day, because otherwise it is a cost. So that's a quick list of what I think a buyer should look for in a, in a broker. Got it. Yeah, that's good. And, and so most of those are soft metrics, right? And which is important, right? Obviously, in integrity and, and confidentiality, these things, let's just say those are prerequisites. But when you're looking at some of the, the hard metrics, maybe we can dig into some of those. You know, I think there's been a lot of frustration with new buyers, right? With people who maybe search funders or fundless sponsors or individuals who are looking to make a career change and they're not familiar at all with MA and the way it works. You know, they might not understand why they're not getting a callback, right? Why they're not getting a reply. Why if they've inquired on a specific deal that's available for sale, why they're not getting a reply. So in terms of trying to work with a buy side broker, what should you be looking for as a first time buyer? You're trying to weed through, you know, let's say you've gone to you know, BizNexus or you know, BizBuySell or IBBA and you've you know, combed through your list of brokers and you've shortlisted a few. What should you be looking for in terms of like for you, for example, you've got this niche with the automotive industry based on your career. You have a lifetime in the automotive industry, and then you became an intermediary based on that experience to help people, to help entrepreneurs in that world buy and sell automotive-focused businesses. You know, That kind of industry expertise, I mean, that's a no-brainer if you're looking to buy something in the auto niche. If you can find it, if you're lucky enough to find it, to go with an intermediary who has that type of experience within that niche. But other than the niche expertise, if you're looking at response time or, you know, the buy side contract, right? Like what's the range on the terms that these brokers should be charging or do they co-broker? What kind of degrees, if any, are going to be helpful for identifying a broker who you can entrust with your buy side search to help, you know, steward that search for the proprietary deals? Yeah. Great questions. I I mean, obviously you want to know about the process that the broker is going to deploy to find you the business, to find you the right business. And so you got to ask some process questions. How do you go about uh, finding the targets? How do you go about engaging the targets? How do you get the targets to return your phone calls, right? How do you get me in front of the right business? All very important uh, questions. The broker's going to, you know, again, he's selling time and experience. So back to, you know, your question on fees and stuff like that. Uh, typically, you know, there'll be a retainer up front, but you're going to have to be real specific about the goals for the end game, right? And what I typically do, Adam, just to be fair, is I have to be compensated for my time, right? Because search is going to take some time. So I take a small retainer up front, but I'll rebate that at success, right? At whatever we determine success is. Is it six months? Is it one year? A lot has to depend on how specific the buyer is about the target that they want. And we'll get into that when we talk about you know, what the broker wants and a buyer here in, in just a minute. But the degree of specificity on the target has a lot to do with the search time that the broker has to go through. And that ends up coming into a fee question. So take a small retainer up front to cover the time and then rebate that back on success, I think is probably a fair way of doing it. Again, it's got to be a win-win proposition for buyer and broker. And just to Um, clarify, rebate that back based on a commission that's based on the value. Based on success, based Based on on delivering that. I mean, look, the guy or gal looking for a business to buy. So if you can't find a business to buy, then you know you failed. And it's kind of a pass-fail grade here. There's kind of you're not grading on a curve here. You got to find an enterprise for them to put their hard-earned capital into. And so the retainer is really not profit. It's just kind of cost of doing business for the time to get to a closing. But I take that off the final bill when we get there. 
Yeah. And I think we don't need to follow the set format. We can t- kind of take the conversation where it leads, but yeah. the retainer helps you qualify the buyer, obviously. Right. So no if someone's thinking about buying a business, you're qualifying them, you're put some skin in the game. Are you serious about this acquisition? Here's my retainer. I'm more than happy to give it back if we're successful and we land a transaction. But if not, I'm getting paid. And I think a lot of buyers out there don't realize how hard buy side work is for the average broker compared to sell side work, right? Like the, the real meat for an intermediary comes through a sell side engagement. You know, buy side work is very difficult. It's very time consuming, you know, qualification of serious buyers. That's really hard. So Absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, some of that fee, some of that retainer, it doesn't, it doesn't go into the broker's pocket. I mean, that broker's got to develop marketing materials. He's got to develop outreach lists. He's got to put together a compelling a proposition for a business owner to talk to them because typically the stuff that I get involved in, um, we're going after businesses that are not being publicly marketed, right? So yeah. we're trying to uncover the hidden gem out there. The guy or gal that may have a business that's for sale, but they're not publicly marketing the business. So how do I find that person? Well, it takes work. It takes a letter. It takes a follow-up call. You have to look under a lot of rocks and turn a lot of soil to find the diamonds. Okay. Yeah. And when you do, you're able to really present something to the, you talk about adding value, finding a deal that wasn't for sale for someone that really fits them is a really satisfying experience for a broker. And so again, you got to think of the retainer as an investment. Okay. And I know as a broker, I look at it as just my cost of getting to a closing table. Okay. I would not be in this business for just the retainer. I can tell you that that is going to be spent on me finding a business for that person to buy. Right. And I know you're doing a a lot of work outside of the automotive industry, but I've always been a big fan of niching down as an intermediary. I think that's where the industry is really heading as things get more competitive. And so like for somebody focused on you know, the automotive niche, for example, how do they find the proverbial Hal Fetter, right? How do they find someone with your type of experience in that niche? And probably more importantly, with your connections, with your network. So if someone's looking to buy a specific type of auto business, they're going to be much more likely to have success if they're engaging someone who's niche down in that specific universe, right? If somebody has the Rolodex and can go out and connect them with people who are likely to sell. Other than sending out the, the typical email blast that people are doing if they're going out and getting the IBBA you know, roster of business brokers and just sending out an email and blasting them once a month with every intermediary is getting flooded with on an ongoing basis. Because I think every fund sponsor in the world is just you know cold emailing that, that list once a week. How do you zero in on finding an intermediary who is relevant to your search? You know, in BizNexus, we do match on keywords. We do our part in trying to match the brokers with what you're actually looking for, but there's still not a lot of data out there. And, you know, what I've always advised is have a small short list of brokers and really try to nurture the relationship so that they prioritize you because Mm -hmm. brokers have no bandwidth, right? They're very busy. If you're approaching them, you should show that you're a serious buyer. How do you do that? Well, maybe you've got a letter from an accountant verifying a certain amount of funds, right? Family assets, or if you have investors verifying that they have you know, a certain level of assets. And if it's just a signature from an accountant on a letter that pretty much states you have X amount of capital in the bank intended for acquisition, that's going to put you ahead of 99% of the other search funders out there who are trying to do what you're doing. Yeah. So how do you identify the broker 
right? And then once you've identified them, how do you get them to take you seriously? I guess what yeah. are the brokers looking for when they're getting approached by all of these buyers on a daily, weekly basis? What makes that buyer stand out so that you pick up the phone and prioritize a callback? Yeah. Uh, great question. I was going to answer your question. Call this guy by the name of Adam Ray. Whether you're buying or selling, he's going to match you with the right person. And that's what that's I've done. Sh- shameless you, plug. Yeah, You, you know that, that, Adam. I mean, <laughs> we do a lot of different uh, things to get in front of the right people. And it is all about building credibility, uh, building uh, trust, being in a lot of different places within the network to be able to you know, think of it as a spider's web. You know, you want to be able to cast a large web so that you know when you're getting touched, no matter how far away from the prospect that you are. So I've uh, done the newsletters and I'm really active on LinkedIn and these podcasts, of course. And I've even written editorials for automotive publications, newsletters. You know, it's a lot of different things. I, You know, when you were asking that question, I was thinking, you know, I've been spending a good part of my career trying to answer that question, you know, how to be big. But back to your you know, buy side uh, broker question. Most of all, you want a motivated buyer. Okay. When you're a broker and you're trying to get, how do you uh, tell whether a buyer is motivated? Well, if they have a clear idea of their target ideal business, that's a degree, a signal of a motivated buyer because they put some thought into that question. The worst thing that I can hear as a broker when a buyer calls me is, hey, what kind of business are you interested in? Oh, I'm interested in a business that makes money. Well, that doesn't help me uh, very much. And that sounds like a fishing expedition to me. But if I get a buyer on the phone that says, hey, I'm looking at this geography, I'm looking at this category or that category, this number of employees, this size revenue, I've got this kind of much money to spend. They've got a really good targeted profile in mouth. Now I'm licking my chops and I'm saying, hey, I've got a motivated buyer. The second piece, probably equally as important, is a buyer that's got a realistic expectation of the value of a business. Now that's part education, part instinct, part luck, part a lot of things, but uh, motivation and realistic expectation of value, okay? Again, the deal's got to work for both sides, just like buyer and broker. It's got to be buyer and seller too, win-win. You want to find a qualified buyer, right? Financially qualified and operationally qualified. So it's all about matchmaking, right? So I'm looking for the match, not just the money match, but the operational match because nine times out of 10, I've got to sell the buyer to a financial institution. Financial institutions going to want to have confidence, not just the guy's got or the gal's got the down payment, but they can service the debt once they buy the business because they're operationally qualified to manage the business. So that comes into what have they done in the past? What kind of experience do they have? What kind of skills do they bring? Network do they bring to the investment? So motivation, realistic expectations, qualified buyer financially and operationally, and a truthful buyer. You know, there's there's a saying in the business, you know, buyers are liars. Well, and so are sellers, by the way. But, you know, it goes back to integrity. Again, to have a relationship that works for both sides, it's got to be candid. It's got to be truthful. It's got to be honest. And, you know, you have to be credible. And if you are, then people are going to want to work with you, whether you're buying or selling. 
Yeah. It's, it's tough because how are you going to figure that out until you do the dance, right? So for a lot of these first-time buyers, they'll take a chance on an intermediary, just like an intermediary will take a chance on them. And hopefully it works out. If it does, maybe that's an ongoing relationship or if they're doing multiple acquisitions, they're using the same intermediary over and over again and vice versa. But you know what you're saying about the financing is interesting because you know if a broker is looking to screen a buyer, the statement of assets that I mentioned, right? Like a, a letter from an accountant that's signed that certifies you have X amount in the bank or some rich uncle or investors have X amount in the bank. And that's enough to separate you from the pack to get in the door with, with an intermediary who's otherwise too busy, but then also pre-qualification, right? So yeah. business as you go through, we do offer a program where you can get pre-qualified with the lender. So you go through, you get pre-qualified, you get the badge, and then, you know, if you're walking into, if you're emailing a broker, or if you're approaching a broker and you can say, look, I've been pre-qualified by this uh, respectable financial institution. I've got this letter certifying we have X amount of capital ready to go to work. You're in the door, you get the callback, whether that's, you know, a buy side deal or inquiring about a specific opportunity that's listed for sale by an intermediary. Yeah, um, it's huge, huge. Yeah. I'm working with a buyer now, Adam where the seller has some concerns about financial capacity. And we've done just what you said. We've gotten a pre-approval from a bank and we've also uh, submitted a verification of funds, you know, letter with our LOI, with our letter of intent to try to ease the seller's fears that, hey, this buyer's going to tie me up for a while and I'm not going to be able to get back to the market because they're not going to be able to afford the business. So you try to, again, alleviate those obstacles going in with those kinds of things. It's a critical point. I think that's the big takeaway for, for a buyer is if you can get ahead of that, right? You can get a jump on that and just come in to your search, especially if you're a first-time buyer, right? If you can have that statement of assets, if you can you know, have a pre-qualification, something that you know ultimately a seller might ask for anyway, if you can have that when you're going to, to, to approach the brokers, right? So whether it's a buy-side broker to help you with your search or whether you're inquiring about a specific deal that you find on one of these sites like BizNexus, then you're going to be shortlisted. Am yeah, I right? No like a broker's going to your, prioritize your, that. Your deal's going to go to the top. I mean, you know, if you're competing against other buyers and there's a lot of that going on today because business inventory is down, you're going to go up the totem pole with the seller when you have that. No question. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. Let's revisit this topic because there's a big divide between a lot of the newly minted MBAs who are out there looking to buy their first business and they don't realize that the large majority of intermediaries really don't care about your alma mater, right? They're just trying to assess right. whether or not you're likely to get a transaction done because the intermediary does not get paid unless that happens, right? Maybe right. you have the retainer up front, but yeah. the bulk of the money is based on transaction. If that transaction doesn't happen, the intermediary is not getting paid. The intermediary is living transaction off of transaction after transaction, right? I mean, they're, yep. they're eating what they kill. So they get very good over time at assessing whether a seller is actually motivated seller or whether a buyer is actually motivated buyer. So you've got to get past that. You know, you got to get through the gate. So let's put a pin in this. I think we can revisit this with another niche topic of, you know, how to get noticed by a broker. This has definitely been a good chat, Hal. Um, yeah, thank you. Really- I always enjoy your time, Adam. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, really helpful info. Thank you again for being here today. Everybody, we'll have all of the info in the show notes. We're going to put Hal's info, Murphy's info, how you can get a hold of Hal if you're doing anything automotive. He's definitely the guy. And if you're in Virginia, he focuses regionally as well. So reach out to Hal. I've been working with him for a long time and I definitely have two thumbs up and, and nothing but praise for Hal. So all the details in the show notes, that's going to do it for this roundup. Look forward to the next one. See you all there, everybody. 